Welcome to episode 181 of the Formula One Grid Talk podcast. Today we are here to discuss qualifying analysis for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. My name is Owen Medford and joining me we have F1 expert Jack Watson. Hello. Olivia Cairo from F1 Total. Hello. And Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. Uh, first, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star uh, rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we shout all of you who do to say thanks. Um, and if you're one of the 74% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. Um, all, weekend, all weekend, the winds have been blowing white caps onto the waves of the Red Sea, but it was smooth sailing for only the Red Bull of Sergio Perez, taking his inaugural pole of his F1 career. Um, before we get into the main show, uh, obviously the you know owing to the sort of uh, delayed start time of this of today uh, tonight's podcast, um, uh, basically Mitch Schumacher obviously had a uh, massive accident, sort of 150, 170 mile an hour uh, at the uh, Saudi, uh, yeah, Saudi Arabia Cornish circuit. Um, obviously, we were some the speediest of recovery. He's conscious and out the car, uh, out of the car, conscious and and moving, um, but. Obviously, his uh, status for um, tomorrow's race is still unknown. Um, although the likelihood is, obviously, he will not race. Um, obviously, it's a it's a massive accident. I think it, I just want to start the show, almost bringing into question. This is you know we've had numerous accidents, um, particularly in the F two, um, uh, with restarts. Um, obviously, now we've had. Uh, Nicholas Latifi and, and Mick having a couple of large accidents now. Um, it's obviously they've made some changes, uh, Aaron, to the sort of layout of the not so much of the layout of the track, but you know, with, with where the barriers are and 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 some of the curbing and things like that. Um, but the, the, you know, this is the second year in a row that we, we've sort of gone into the weekend having you know some really really big shunts. Um, it, is it is it almost? You know, uh, I, I guess the, the question is, you know, are we looking at it from a or suitability for Formula One standpoint? Uh, it's it's heading in the wrong direction, really, isn't it? it? It's getting a little bit too dangerous. I mean, the cars are slower than last year, so they don't quite carry as well. They, I say that they, they carry as much corner speed as they did last year. They generate so much downforce in high speed, but they're really clumsy in slow speed. Um, You'd think with all of the advancement in barrier technology that they'd have the appropriate barrier at every corner. And I saw a couple of tweets uh, on Twitter saying that the phrase, we don't expect a car to crash there, should never be used because a car could crash anywhere. The car could fail at any point. So it, it, it's, it's disappointing because I can see from a a driving challenge perspective that how this track would really appeal to uh, people, to drivers who want to be tested and want to push the limits, but there's pushing the limits and then there's just pushing your luck. And at the moment F1 is playing with fire in more than one way with this circuit and this location. Um, it does leave a lot of questions that need to be answered about the circuit Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're they're building a purpose-built circuit somewhere else. Um, that might be that might have been Qatar, 
though, because I think I think they're hosting. Yeah, I think that's Qatar. They've got a purpose-built another street one, but a purpose-built track coming for the next ten years. Right. right. So it looks like <laughs> this one's here to stay, which uh, you know, you, there's there's space around there. That, well, on on some sides at least, but um, yeah, it does leave a lot of questions needing answering, and that that goes right to the top of Formula One. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, you know there is a sort of space around, but it's it's really getting a bit um, a bit almost silly um, with the rate of it, with, with the state of it. Um, I just wanted, to, Jack, Jack, if you ever had anything about how the uh, obviously the car did its job. Um, I just wanted to uh, wondered if you had anything to sort of say about the, sort of the twenty twenty two car um, in those kind of accidents in comparison to maybe previous cars. Well, um, I think one of the biggest surprises that you would have seen, aside from the fact that it took and much longer than we normally expect to extract a driver, I think just taking precautions because the Gs are so significant, um, is seeing the rear end come away. The last time we saw that was Grosjean's incident um, 2020. Um, it looks horrific, but it's designed to do that. Um, it just means that in the event of a big impact like that, there's less weight connected to the driver. So as they get thrown around in an incident, there's less moving them. So the load exerted to them should be reduced. So it doesn't look great, but it does help. Um, part of the reason why the cars are a bit clumsier as well is because all forms of their safety structures, especially the sides, uh, the side impact protection um, have been bulked up significantly. We've seen teams struggle to reach minimum weights um, because of it. So, I mean, it's not too long ago that we'd be a lot more concerned for Mick than we have been today and we've already seen he's conscious he's just mainly being taken for the checks to the the hospital so um yeah it, it's a testament to how safe these cars are despite um <laughs> despite the speeds that they can reach it kind of ties in as well as to how this track is allowed these days we know that there's strict regulations regarding track design um and yet this is allowed and it kind of gets coupled back to just what the cars can accept so it, they kind of play hand in hand, but I think we're seeing that maybe designing to those safety limits isn't the best idea. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from an engineering background, we look at things with a, at least from my perspective, we look at things with a, you know, having a margin of safety. Um, you know, you shouldn't that they're safety limits they're not safety tar like you know that, that we shouldn't be hitting them every single time as i say there should be safety targets that's i can't say that that's incorrect um but no we shouldn't be looking to go to the safety yeah you know to the safety limits every time we have an accident and it seems that um we're reaching those every time we do have something go very slightly wrong at saudi arabia i don't want to besmirch the uh the work of um of the Herman Tilker architecture company and, and Carson Tilker as well. Um, obviously we had him on a, on a fireside, which you should go and listen to. It's very, very in uh, interesting. Um, but you know, they've clearly done some, you know, good work and I, and I trust them completely as does the FIA, but it's, it's getting a bit silly. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just a fluke, but, um, honestly, the, <laughs> the, the pragmatist, pragmatist in me doesn't think that, um, We'll move on to the actual session itself, uh, with, with the results at least, um, because it's, uh, you know, as much as we're talking about this and it's kind of putting a dampener on it, um, it was, a, a you know, was, and it, everything looked dramatic, uh, you know, having it around the session, Olivia, but um, Sergio Perez, inaugural poll, first ever poll um, in a Red Bull of all places. Um, 
you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Max Verstappen having a, a weird time in his in the last part of qualifying. Um, and bearing in mind, you know, someone we'll talk about a bit later, it seems that you almost can't do well at this track if you've got a world championship. I know it's um it's quite odd because um I, w- I really wasn't expecting it and I don't think anyone else was expecting for um Perez to be in quali even um the I mean on pole because even um the commentators didn't really spend much time on him because he really isn't known to be putting in the laps during qualifying so I guess it just shows the unpredictability of the season that we're going into and it's shaken up the ecosystem quite significantly um, as we've seen with Hamilton and P16. So um, it's quite cool to see him up there, but I it, it's not very telling of how, what could happen in the race tomorrow. So again, with the unpredictability, but uh, good good for us to get to see him and have a good race tomorrow. An interesting race for yeah you're absolutely right it tees up um what kind of assures to be almost but well, hopefully a classic um based on the way that the grid is um you know we move down into uh the person who'll be sh- sharing uh the sharing um the front row of the grid with uh jack and it's uh it's charles leclerc you know second time in a row obviously uh, second week in a row obviously on the front i'm not where he'd really want to be um, just two, uh, sorry, 25 thousandths of a second um, off of Sergio. Um, and it kind of looked like he couldn't do anything better, could it? Sorry. He <laughs> um, really was pushing that car hard, wasn't he? Um, it's, I think, he, well, he did, he was one of the very few in that final session to actually get an improvement in his time where um once the green flags were flying for the uh, final session and um yeah I, I honestly thought he would have had it as soon as he pipped carlos you think that was kind of it um it really didn't look like as you said there was much left to give in that ferrari um so uh, but, i mean it's a strong session uh for him always at the top it's a bit of um, a bit obscure that he got pipped at the post um so to speak but it would still be um, a strong a strong start for um, the race. Uh, if he can get a superior start than that Red Bull, then he's in he's in a in good stead to take the win. Uh, big question is how well they can race um, with these new cars here, and whether or not we get as much of an interrupted race as last year. I can't imagine it will be quite as dramatic, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm pretty sure Charles is hoping it won't be. Yeah, I imagine Charles Clare is probably hoping for a, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a basically an amazing start, throw it up the inside, um, and, and lead it from there, and hope it's a uh, hope it's not as good to follow uh, as as the uh, FIA has been talking about with these brand new cars. Um, the person that he will want behind him, um, you know, it's it, uh, during that is uh, the person that he had him behind him last uh, last week is uh, Carlos Sainz. Um, again, not far off. Again, proving that this is pacing the Ferrari, Aaron. And um, you know, the, the, it's, it's it's basically it's a dream scenario for them, really. Yeah, it's a it's a really good position for Ferrari to be in. The fact that they're able to extract pace from a soft from a new soft tire and from the used soft tire because Charles did his lap on a brand new set. 
And uh, Carlos actually set his fastest time on a used set, um, which actually put him fastest in the fight in the initial runs for Q3 for the second race in a row. And then he's managed to slip down the order with the final run not being quite as good. He ended up a tenth or two behind his personal best on the final run while Charles was setting the lap times uh, charts alive. Um, Carlos described the noose officers as tricky and they said that he didn't have the grip saying, uh, for, with the noose off saying that the, the older tyre gave him a better feel. And that might come in handy tomorrow because if he's able to extract that sort of pace from a used tyre, maybe he can do something on the softs when others are cornered into the mediums or the hards, especially considering the amount of safety cars we're probably going to have tomorrow and red flags and whatever other carnage. Um, that might be the ace up his sleeve. But then, of course, he's still got to beat Charles Leclerc, who just has that X-factor pace. I mean, he was, he was setting those lap times, and I thought, Carlos can do whatever he wants, but Charles will just be able to pull out an answer. It's it's that Hamilton and Bottas dynamic. And I think Sainz is going to end up a little bit like Bottas. He's going to be very, 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 very close. And then he's just going to miss out by a whisker. And he's always going to end up just behind and having a bit more work to do on a Sunday. But Carlos is a man for Sunday, unlike Bottas. Yeah, you put uh, you put Carlos in the in, in seventh place, and he will actually you know climb back up to the podium. Whereas Bottas, I'm not sure we could be so certain of that. Um, yeah, it's, obviously it's a hope that uh, is we got we got to hope that Carlos Sainz doesn't um, you know fall into the unfortunate Ferrari position of number two driver. Otherwise, uh, you know he could spend the rest of his, his career there, which would be you know quite unfortunate. Um, you know, the person who normally has the X factor and normally has the Max factor, as it were, um, Max Verstappen. Weird performance in his final run in Q. Uh, well, both of both of his runs in Q uh, three, I believe. Um, sort of getting on towards. Well, he's six. Uh, yeah, am I right in thinking? No, eight tenths off. Um, eight tenths off, Olivia, and that's you know that's huge for for Max Verstappen. He's got you know he's got a number one on the car. He's the fastest in a straight line, uh, a track where it that severely benefit like um, basically stacks the deck in your favour. And he's eight tenths of a second slower than than his teammate. Um, what did you know? Can you provide an insight into sort of what's going on and, and what he can kind of do tomorrow to salvage this situation? Bearing in mind that he scored, as we know, zero points in Bahrain. Um, I was quite surprised as well when it happened because um, it was quite the underwhelming finish, seeing as he he backed out of one of his uh, flying laps in Q three and. Um, it didn't seem like he was giving it his all in his last flying lap. So I don't really know what could have gone on, but it didn't feel like he was pushing himself and pushing the car to the limit. Um, it is an interesting position for him to be in, though, especially because both Ferraris are sandwiched in between him and Sergio Perez. So I do think that could make for an interesting dynamic for tomorrow. So um not all is lost for Max, but there is a lot for him to do against both Ferraris, especially considering how he went along today, not giving it his, giving it his best. So could be an interesting unfolding for tomorrow as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that's an interesting dynamic. Um, 
uh, I was just thinking maybe you know with the with the sort of warm up issues that they're having, it might be worth an overcut. Um, you know, in the race tomorrow, obviously they got free child choice, and it, that you know that could benefit them severely. I'd, um, if it if it's in a sort of an underlying issue with the car, or or if they're you know if Perez had to bring out a Banzai lap to get that to work. Um, you know, moving on to what I think is sort of brewing to be a bit of the almost a surprise of the season, really. Um, Esteban Ocon, uh, Jack, in fifth place. Um, bearing in mind, you know, he finished uh, seventh, I believe, last. Yeah, seventh uh, last week. Um, Alpine not looking amazing, but you know, here we go again. We come to a different track, like you know, different sort of layout. Um, and we've got the Alpines uh, putting in very competitive lap times, uh, you know, sort of in the best of the rest sector. Yeah, it's uh, very impressive, isn't it? Um, Alpine have come into this weekend quite bullish about um, about their chances. And uh, Ocon's certainly proving there's some weight behind that. Um, yeah, they're going to be... Obviously, we'd, it would be surprising if they crack into the top four. But... Um, for the race, it does give them the leg up that they need. You'll expect he's going to have quite the challenge for some of those looking uh, lining up behind him. But with both their drivers as well up there, it does give them a bit of a, a strategy option. And if Ocon does prove to have this weekend, the pace throughout the weekend, um, he may get seen favourably through the team, certainly. Um, so very impressive. Maybe their car seems to be more suited to the high speed. It'd be interesting to see how this progresses. Yeah, exactly. It seems um, obviously with both drivers up there, it seems a sort of a benefit to their car. Um, someone whose car not really benefiting at all. Um, so you know, it's it's almost amazing that he got where he did. Aaron is uh, is George Russell. Um, obviously, the Mercedes looked in trouble this week, but the, you know, this uh, last week, sorry, but this week they look on the ropes. Um, you know, what what's what can you sort of put into words like what you know how big it is to, for George Russell to get a sixth place? Uh, for qualifying, to, uh, sorry, for yeah, sixth place on the grid for tomorrow. Uh, well, I actually describe it as expected because <laughs> I'd have expected him to be P6, uh, just not behind an Alpine. Uh, he kind of had a bit of joy where Lewis had misery because he was able to extract the pace that he needed. I mean, I, I know we'll, we'll touch on Hamilton later and they may have gone for different setups. Uh, but George, again, showing that he's still superb on a Saturday. What was really interesting to me, actually, and this, I think, tallies as well with a little bit of Hamilton's issues. George got into Q3 using the mediums. And he was actually slower on the soft tyre on his final run. So if you would put that Q2 tyre rule back in, you know, who knows what sort of strategy he could pull tomorrow. Obviously, they'll probably all start on the soft tyre tomorrow, but... You know, who knows? Because the Mercedes seems to not be able to extract pace out of the soft tyre when it really needs to. Yeah, he's got himself sixth and he's managed to tap into it a little bit. But the sort of warm-ups that they were having to do, one lap or was it two laps? Maybe somewhere in between. But for George, that, that's a real shot in the arm in terms of Lewis has struggled, but he's still delivered and he's still put the car relatively where it should be, maybe even overperformed expectation considering where they've been up and down the order in practice. So if he can deliver a solid race tomorrow, like he did in Bahrain, then more points, which is really weird to say about Mercedes, but that's about the best they can hope for at the moment. 
um, and a sign of, of where they are. But it, for, for George, actually, I think that's good for his sort of development. that He doesn't jump straight into a race winning Mercedes that's just going to walk away from everybody else. And he sort of gets a false impression of what, what, what it really takes to be a championship winner. Yeah, it's a bit of trial by fire for George, um, but luckily he'll be sort of used to running through the pack, you'd hope, after the last couple of years for him. Um, uh, we've got someone else who's, uh, you know, who's, who's not really a trial by anything at this point, um, is Fernando Alonso. Um, and obviously, we touched on Esteban Ocon in the Alpine and how that's actually, you know, quite quite good for them, Olivia. But, um, you know, Fernando Alonso, he's a seasoned racer. This should be, you know, this should be a walk in the park for him, right? Yeah, it should. Um... There doesn't seem like there should be any trouble for Fernando, but it does seem quite um, seeing both Alpines together in um, fifth and seventh, only split by George Russell, is kind of telling of what um, of how Alpine is in general in the rankings, but um, in all of the rankings. So um, I don't think Fernando should have any issue, but I do think that being as close to Esteban Ocon would be quite good for points and is quite telling on how well they are going in the rankings for everyone. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's sort of, a, it's always, you know, when the team, uh, sorry, each car is so close, um, it's a big indicator of what the, uh, indicator of what the car can do um, at this point in Formula One. Um you know, it, uh, sort of, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all i got to say around that. Um, yeah, next we've got Valtteri Bottas, who, again, will be, uh, he'll be, he'll be pleased to know that he's uh, out-qualified, out-qualified Lewis Hamilton on pure pace, Jack, won't he? Oh, you do like stirring the pot, don't you? <laughs> stirring the pot, mate, I've got, I've got like an automatic pot stirrer, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it's another strong performance, to be honest. Um, well, Alpine, maybe he sort of flatters that um, not Alpine, that Alfa Romeo a little bit, but it's certainly a step up from where it was. And um, yeah, he sort of he slipped back a little bit because he seemed uh, early doors that he might be up in sort of well, he he owned sixth place for pretty much uh, the entirety of qualifying up until um, uh, up until the uh, the checker flag. So um, it's only on one lap pace he's dragging a lot out of it whether or not they'll be able to maintain it tomorrow i'm not so sure we saw at bahrain uh it wasn't particularly easy for him to maintain that um maintain that impressive uh, qualifying position and i'd imagine i kind of I, I think it'll be harder for the rest of the field to mug him i don't think it's going to be easy to just get past uh, on a track as fast as, as this but i think they'll have a fight on their hands to uh Stay where they are. I think it'll be up for points, but not as not as good as that quality position suggests. Well, it's not great anyway. But so yeah, if I take that back. He will be struggling for points, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, he's just got to hope there's a coming together uh, in front of him. I guess. Um, after that, we've got Pierre Gasly, who somehow went sort of unnoticed for me, at least, uh, Baron. Like I, I, I didn't notice what he'd done, but you know where he's coming in. But he just sort of seems to have sneaked to ninth place um, out of nowhere. Um, I don't know. Is that is that me being uh, being unfair on him, or is it you know is is that is that a great performance for him? 
Yeah, that's a pretty decent performance. I mean, it's just your bog standard Gasly in an Alpha Tauri qualifying, isn't it? He gets in the top 10. He's going to be a contender for points. He's placed well to score big if things up front get messy. Um, you know, there was some damage to his floor, which they were taping up, um, and they probably got to work on during uh, the red flag period. So, you know, all in all, that's probably what the Alpha Tauri was capable of. And you just know that Gasly is going to deliver in that car. Um, it's just that sort of performer. Just sort of nipping back to Bottas on a tangent. Spot who uh, stole his sixth place that he'd owned for the whole session. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't enough for George to take his seat. Now he's taking his position. I mean, to be honest, George has been you know, sort of chomping at the bit to uh, to take that to take whatever Bottas has. Uh, you know, basically since since he arrived in Formula One, it's you know, it's pretty mean. <laughs> it's pretty unfortunate for Bottas. Um, Bullying Bottas. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, we, after that, we've got uh, we've got Kevin Magnussen, who um, I, I'm going to straight out say it. That's a remarkable performance for me to get for Kevin Magnussen again to be uh, in the top ten, uh, Olivia. And uh, you know, bearing in mind especially the issues that he had in, that they've had in practice, um, there's not a lot of running for the car, um, and it, you know, he kind of pins the hopes to the team because based on um, you know, based on what we're going to probably see with uh, with Mick tomorrow, um, you know, c- could it be another good performance for Mick? No, not Mick. Sorry, Kevin. Goodness <laughs> me, awful say. there. Um, I do think it is a remarkable performance from Magnussen, especially to do with the issues they had yesterday with the hydronics and everything, which they also faced in Bahrain as well. So um, to finish, I mean, to qualify in 10th is quite amazing and could be the beginning of an even better performance for him tomorrow. So I do think it is quite a good performance from Haas, but it it's I with the worry that um, Mick might not be performing in the race tomorrow. Um, it's a kind of the big burden for Magnussen to be competing um, and carrying all of the weight of points and everything in the race. So hopefully it goes well. But as for today, that was a really solid performance. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Magnussen's obviously, you know, he's, he's again showing his, his his abilities where you know he's had very little, li- very limited amount of time in the car, and there we go. He's got a t- he's he's put his car in uh, in tenth place, um, which is you know worlds away from what the Haas last year could do. Um, again, someone else who's worlds away from from the front where they were hoping they would be is uh, Lando Norris in the McLaren Mercedes. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of it, I mean uh, we didn't really touch on it earlier, but George Russell is the only Mercedes-powered car inside the top ten, um, and it feels sort of like a fluke that he is there. Lando Norris, you know, the closest they could get, and and still he's kind of worlds away, isn't he, uh, Jack? Yeah, um, I'll admit, have I, I hadn't seen much of the practice sessions, but I saw the times from FP two. Uh, the closest representation we have to quality, and I thought McLaren would be a bit further up. But when Norris went out for that first run, we got a, lot, a great shot from the visor cab of the first lap. And the porpoising on that car is atrocious. It, uh, it's 
been one of the worst ones I've seen so far, aside from the Merck in testing. Um, so it does seem that they seem to be struggling somewhat um, with the setup still. And it seems like it's cost him and Norris still with the advantage over Ricardo, although not by much as we've seen recently, only a tenth of a second or so. Um, so they'll be in the hunt for points, but unfortunately that's all it's going to be. It's not the podiums and uh, such that they would have been expecting from last year, as you were saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it sort of goes bad. To, you know, we, we've come off that and it goes bad to worse for McLaren, um, Aaron, because... Sorry, that rhymed and it got me. Um, <laughs> no, we've got it goes bad to worse. Uh, we got Daniel Ricciardo, who, as much as yeah, he's really he's, he's quite close to uh, to his teammate Lando, um, which is a good thing based on last week. Um, you know, that's a good improvement. Uh, it, it doesn't look like he's going to start in twelfth, does it? No, no, he's got that stewards' investigation sort of hanging over his head, and if it is an unsafe release, uh, well, I noticed the. Um, there's also that there's the impeding, and then there's the unsafe release, isn't there? I think he's got two of them. I mean, well, I was going to say, what's your, what's your thoughts on each penalty? Because obviously we haven't seen the unsafe release. Um, so that that's flip of a coin. I mean, just how bad is it? Because there's varying degrees of unsafe release. Like sometimes they give a fine, sometimes they'll give a grid drop, sometimes they won't do anything. Um, it's just you know the CFIA. It's literally a lucky dip with your penalties. Or in Jeddah, you know, you get offered what pick your poison. So, um, yeah, McLaren stand by for that. The impeding, he's he's banged to rights. I mean, what who was it? Was it? Ocon, was it Ocon? Ocon, 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 yeah. Yeah. They were, they were talking to Otmar Safnauer about it. Um, yeah, it was a pretty full-on block, wasn't it? Not not on purpose by any stretch, but the team need to be on the on the phone to him, telling him exactly who's behind him and who's on a hot lap. Um, yeah, it's just. Maybe a miscommunication. Maybe he had nowhere to go. But you know, it's, it's just the nature of the beast of this track. You're going to get impeded somewhere, and you've got to make sure you're not the person who gets caught out with it. And unfortunately, I think Daniel Ricciardo is going to be the one who gets caught out with it. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's honestly probably a slam dunk. Um, so if anything, he might end up, you know, just in front of Lewis Hamilton um, <laughs> as we come into uh, as we as we apply the penalties for tomorrow. Um, next, we've got someone who, again, I didn't, I, I, I didn't really notice, and I do feel bad for uh, for some of these drivers because they just, you know, with what what with what happened, they just kind of didn't make uh, didn't make too much of an impression. We've got Zhou Guan Yu, uh, Olivia, who is thirteenth uh, place, um, which I mean, obviously based on the on what we've just said, probably going to get up to twelfth, which is a great place to start uh, if you're in the Alfa Romeo. Um, you know, good place to go forward. He might even get points, mightn't he? Yeah, he would. I think he would. Um, but like you said, he lots of these drivers have been slipping through the cracks of everything that's been going on today. So I didn't really realize or pay much attention to what he was doing. But starting P13, possibly P12, is quite good for um, the second race, um, especially after he got his first point in the first race. So um, could be good for him tomorrow hopefully he gets into the points but yeah he slipped through the cracks for me so I don't really know much about what's going on with him but he doesn't seem too far off his teammate which is also a good prospect for Alfa Romeo in general 
yeah absolutely um obviously you got to, you got to sort of judge yourself by uh by your, your nearest barometer and for him that's uh that's bottas um you know it's good to see that he's uh you know he didn't make sort of some sort of more rookie errors from uh from drivers behind him as well yeah um uh right obviously we've um you know we move next on to mick schumacher um i for, I mean, for the sake of, 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 for obvious reasons, I don't think it's worth uh, discussing too much um, uh, about it. Obviously, you know, as, as we said at the top of the show, huge accident. Um, we hope it's okay. That's a very, very fast corner. Um, uh, and and to me, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think you elaborated on it too much, um, Jack, but are there... You know what? What sort of? I, if, I guess if they could get a reserve driver in, obviously, uh, I believe is it Pietro Fittipaldi? Is in? Yeah, is, he'd be the stand-in for a driver. He is um, in Saudi Arabia. It um, uh, just you said I think before we came on air, obviously, um, that there were sort of the issue is, is is the parts. You know, do they have enough bits? Um, yeah, I mean, well, it's uh, even the chassis. They've got to make sure they've got a chassis on hand um, because that one's most likely spent um, considerably. So it's it begins to seem to be on the unsure certainly unwilling to commit on whether or not they'd have the car on the grid and let, let alone a driver so uh it's a bit up in the air as to whether or not personally i don't think he'd be starting tomorrow um up until the incident though it was a good performance actually it was he was a uh, fairly well up the grid in, into q2 and obviously only stepped down because he couldn't progress uh, he couldn't uh, continue so um yeah, it's a it's a good start. He's finding his feet well, but um, yeah, it's just unfortunate for that mistake in nine that seemed to snowball into uh, eleven and cause the incident. Yeah, of course. Um, the only thing we can hope is that it doesn't wreck his confidence or his career. No. Uh, really. <laughs> um, right. Uh, you know, probably someone who's potentially going to profit off that. Uh, you know, fortunately. Uh, you know, if you're if you're if you're Aston Martin is um, Lance Stroll, fifteenth uh, place, uh, Aaron. Um, that's I, I don't really really know what to make of it because I don't feel we can actually compare him too much to uh, Nico Hulkenberg, obviously with Nico's uh, limited sort of time in the car. Um, but you know, taking them uh, being in front of the of a works Mercedes um, has got to bring you some confidence in in your design, doesn't it? Yes and no, but I think because I think that should be caveated with the fact that the Mercedes is, I, I don't know what's going on there with Hamilton's car. It must be a drastic setup uh, variation to Russell. But for Stroll, I mean, you can only drive what you've got, and he drove what he had very well to get himself to Q two. But that was about the ceiling of performance for for Aston Martin. I mean, Vettel may have scraped a thirteenth or a fourteenth on the grid. Um, difficult to really judge because Stroll isn't ordinarily the best qualifier and he was out, he was out qualified last weekend by Hulkenberg who'd been in the car for about 20 minutes um, yeah it's, it's, it's a strange one because he, he, he does have these odd sessions where he performs and then it just vanishes again so we'll wait and see how they perform tomorrow because it, it might just be they have a better race car or maybe the car is a bit of a pig and it just needs some work done. Either way, the paintwork looks amazing. 
Yeah, that'll be the work by the uh, by the graphic designers from the world class catering who have uh, got their lunch at the world class catering facilities. Um, no, we haven't forgot. Uh, someone misprinted an auto queue, and I will be talking about it until the end of time. Um, right, Aaron touched on it uh, just briefly, um, and it's the it's the big uh, somehow it's the biggest shock of qualifying uh, this uh, you know this week. Um, Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, as as Aaron said. Uh, something looks vastly different on the setup. Something looks vastly wrong with the car. Um, Lewis Hamilton, like you know, the, the thank you know, obviously during the sort of delay that we had, um, saw things on you know some of the analysis of of the two laps by George and Lewis at the time. Um, the car just looks slow. Uh, the car just looks like it's not carrying any speed, Olivia. Um, the, the real question is, I don't think uh, there's two questions here. One. What the hell did Mercedes do to get on top of it? And two, what can they do to salvage this race by tomorrow? I have no idea what they can do, but um, Hamilton claims that it's something to do with the balance of the car because apparently everything was good in FP3, but everything just went left um, in qualifying. And it went considerably left, especially because um, Russell's in P6 and he's in P16, 10 cars between them. That's... That's astronomical. So um, I don't know what they can do to salvage everything, especially on top of that with the porpoising issues that they're they're all um, that both of the Mercedes cars are experiencing. But it doesn't seem like it's affecting Russell as much as it is Lewis. So they really need to get a handle on the balance of the car. But I do think that um, he could stand a chance at breaking into the points this is just my opinion but barely maybe p10 p9 but um i guess we also forget that mercedes don't always have a strong start to the season like last season they had issues with low rake that hampered them and helped red bull um capitalize on such a huge gap in um the championship from the get-go so hopefully everything will be handled soon Maybe this is just in typical Mercedes fashion at the beginning of the season. So fingers crossed, hopefully it will be salvaged soon. Yeah, uh, hopefully they can get on top of it, you know, sharpish, because uh, it's it's really not looking good if this is the sort of calibre of results that are going to be pulled out. I think this is anomalous. I think this is probably an outlier to what we're going to see. Um, but I was going to make a cheap joke about how it apparently, you know, it seems that you can't really go that quickly if you're a seven-time world champion in a Mercedes uh, after a major rule change. <laughs> um, and we move on to uh, Alexander Albon, um, who, you know, I, I, you know, I can scarcely believe I'm saying this. He's one and a half tenths off Lewis Hamilton, uh, which is, you know, amazing performance for him, isn't it, Jack? <laughs> It's certainly compared to his last tenure. Unfortunately, the Williams doesn't really seem to be doing him any favours at all this year. Um, better than his teammate, um, even after sabbatical. So take that as you see fit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a reasonable performance. And it, it is worth considering that last time around, he dragged some sort of magic out of that Williams in the race, certainly. So they'll be hoping that they can do something with it. Um, He's not going to be on. I don't think he's going to be on the card for points, much like, uh, um, unlike Hamilton. Sorry, but um, yeah, unfortunately, they are seem to be facing a bit of an uphill battle with this car. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of seeing how far 
how hard they can push if they can get the strategy to work on their side. I'm not too sure what compound tires Pirelli have bought this time around. Um, they're not too sure if that would work in their favour or not and just see if they can benefit from other people's misfortune. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's all you can do, really, if you're uh, if you're Williams or if you're that part, far back on the grid. Um, actually, I just thought had a thought about Mercedes um, for Lewis. It would almost be worth withdrawing him from the grid. Um, you know, pit lane start. If you if you want to make those major setup changes and put George, you know, maybe give him George's setup. Obviously, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't prob- uh, probably wouldn't put him at the front. Obviously, but um, you know, it may make some sort of difference into uh sort of salvaging the car because if it's that if it's that difficult to drive then uh it's obviously going to be a massive nightmare for him um you know just moving off of that um onto nico hulkenberg uh so you know bearing in mind he's had a he's not really expected to be here for for this race obviously he kind of got to be um he, you know he had to have had an inkling based on uh vettel's sort of uh, troubles obviously with uh, with COVID, and we again wish him a speedy recovery. Um, it's you know it, uh, he's done as best as he can really, uh, given that he's in, in a bra- sort of in a brand new car at a track he's never driven before. Um, you know, is there sort of what are the expectations on him for for this race, Aaron? Um, given that obviously he's qualified so far back, he'll probably get promoted a few a few spaces, but uh, a couple of spaces at least. Um, you know, do you think he can do anything uh, amazing from there? Uh, I think his primary aim needs to be just finish the race. I mean, he he complained about like fatigue in Bahrain. It got a bit much for him because obviously he hasn't driven. He's not in the best shape at the moment. Which, for a professional racing driver, even if even as a reserve, you should be keeping yourself in fairly decent nick. Um, he'll be hoping for a few safety car periods so he can rest his his brain and his neck a little bit. But that's going to be the problem. If, if there's a period of sort of flat-out racing, I mean, I don't know how flat-out the Aston Martin really can go, um, he he might be one of those that comes a cropper because it'll just be that lapsing concentration, that missed apex, that missed breaking point, and he'll be the one in the wall causing the safety car himself or, or a potential red flag, given the, the, the nature of this circuit and how quickly they recover their vehicles. So, yeah, it's going to be tricky for him, but the best he can hope for is getting to the finish. Uh, he's only qualified ahead of Latifi, who crashed, and Sonoda, who didn't set a lap time. So is it conceivable to say that had those two set representative lap times, Hulkenberg would be last on the grid? I mean, that might be a fair, a fair sort of read on it. I didn't really pay much attention to him, to be honest. My attention was elsewhere <laughs> on a certain silver car. Yeah, I think you'd be forgiven for that based on, uh, yeah, there, there's, there was certainly more to look at uh, under the lights, uh, under the spotlight, as it were, um, than uh, unfortunately Nico Hulkenberg, which, you know, might be a blessing, might be a curse. Um, after that, we move into sort of the, uh, the, the last two on the grid who were for, you know, you know, one more, one more than the other, sort of no fault of their own. Um, uh, couldn't really set any, obviously, uh, weren't able to set any competitive lap times. Um, Nicholas Satifi, Olivia, um, obviously, you know, it wasn't a particularly uh, competitive lap that he did, 131.8, which is 1.3 seconds off even Nico Hulkenberg. Um, 
weird incident though where that you know the car's rear end just seems to i think it may, maybe it plays into the tire warm-up issues that people are seeming to have um just snapping on him um and bringing out the first red flag yeah it was quite odd especially where it happened on track so i don't know what was going on maybe it was the wind maybe it was just like you said the um warm-up the tire warm-up issues so um I don't really think as bad as it sounds I don't really think many of us were expecting much from Nicholas Latifi I say that very quietly especially because I'm in Canada right now (laughs) so um I don't know I'm really it's it's sad to see that this has happened and it doesn't seem like it was avoidable but um I don't really know what much we could have expected from him had he not even crashed and finished the qualifying session um so hopefully he finishes the race and does so um in good fashion but yeah, I think the best thing you can say about Nicholas Lasivi's performance in uh, in this uh, session, obviously, was the uh, was the way he parked the car. You know, nice, nice next to a service road. Brilliant, <laughs> good job. Um, after that, we've got Yuki Tsunoda, who I can't, re- I don't, you know, I don't remember exactly why he didn't make it out. It was um, a package issue. Ah, okay, right. So, what would that just out of interest, Jack? What would that entail? Because I, I honestly, I haven't, I haven't heard too much about it. Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest, because over the radio, they said, just, just said engine issue. And all we've heard beyond that is cooling system. So it could have been uh, leaks or just a, a whole radio or something. It could be a whole multitude of things, to be honest. So um, it's a bit hard to tell until the team, if the team decided to open up and tell us what the actual issue was. Um, but I mean, the pace that that car has compared to where it is it should make up some spots but he's too, I think if whether or not he get into the points eh, probably not um, just with too much work to do um, we know to know that likes to have a go <laughs> he, he likes to have a bit of a he's a bit punchy with his overtaking so he can have a bit of fun but I don't know if there'll be uh, much coming out of it so if he just again focuses on finish the race getting used to the car in a, a very different track to Bahrain last year just get data home yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, I don't want to go across, to, across you too much on what the issue was, but uh, you know, without sort of stoking the rumor mill, rumor mill a little bit more, uh, apparently uh, a suspected fuel-related problem also might have also afflicted Sonoda. Uh, afflicted Sonoda sorry, um, which doesn't look good for Red Bull powertrains if you're uh, after the last week. It's not, it's not, it's not a great way to start the season. Uh, uh, I mean, if it is, com- if it is coupled up. Um, I mean, it seemed official. Official line was calling. So, if it is a fuel system, you can understand why they would want to hide it <laughs> after the, that being exactly what took out the two main cars last last week. So, uh, yeah, maybe a bit cloak and dagger. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Uh, I'll just. I'll you know. Just when this podcast ends, I will be logging onto my. Uh... What was it? Throwaway Reddit account, and then talking about how yeah, it was definitely a fuel issue that caused that eight tenths uh, for Max Verstappen uh, and put him off the front of the grid. Um, right now, we've gone through all the drivers. Um, I think I think I'm going to tone it down for myself today. Um, but we've got sort of uh, we've got the predictions for the podium. Um, 
I'm actually, I'm just going to start straight off the bat that I predict that honestly, Sergio Perez, bearing in mind his tire management skills, um, is going to get P1. Uh, and uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos, Carlos Sainz will be right behind him. Um, I think I think that's that's entirely likely at this point. Um, if they just manage to stay out of trouble for anyone else and don't get tripped up by safety cars, let's just hope the uh, Ferrari strategy department is uh, is on you know is 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 on their game uh, tomorrow. Um, what what do you put the uh, podium as, uh, Aaron? Well, first of all, I'm very disappointed with your predictions. After, yeah, well, boom and bust. Like <laughs> your predictions for for last week had me in stitches. It was brilliant. Um, I, I can I can make a case for any of the top four winning it, and I can make a case for all four of them losing it because they crash into each other, or a safety car, or an untimely red flag. I mean, literally anything could happen. Um, I mean, Sonoda could win from last or something stupid. It, it's very difficult. I mean, I think Ferrari kind of have the net, have an edge on them. I think if push comes to shove, I think they've got enough downforce to follow and then pick up the DRS. Okay, Red Bull have a straight line speed, but in race trim, you don't have that DRS all the time. And we saw last year when Lewis got the run on Red on uh, Verstappen that it was potent the DRS, and we we've saw, seen it in the F two race when they actually did some laps today um that the the drs was again very powerful so maybe sitting in second and then breezing past um with both ferraris is the way forward so i'm gonna i'm gonna put my hat on uh charles leclerc uh with uh oh i'm gonna go for another ferrari one two and for stappen in third Interesting, interesting. I like it. I like it. Um, Olivia, who, who's your podium for uh, for tomorrow? Given everything that Aaron said, I'm also going to go with uh, Ferrari one two, but my one is going to be Carlos instead of Charles. Um, and I do think that Max will be P three as well, but I don't think Sergio is going to finish the race. I think there's going to be some issue to do with fuel as well and that comes back up um and maybe also affects max so actually no i don't know if max will be a p3 so a tentative p3 for max a very cautious p3 for max but yeah if, if they both fail to finish again we can jump to the conclusion that red bull actually don't have a big enough fuel tank mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, they claim there was enough fuel in there <laughs> We filled it up and we just hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the budget cap's hitting them hard and uh and Red Bull can't afford to fill the car. <laughs> given what given fuel prices. Um, you get Jack, to finish half the race. <laughs> Jack, what would you what, what's your top three? Uh I think Leclerc's gonna get the jump on Perez um and keep keep that there. So I think he's gonna get his second win. But I think Perez is going to hang on to P2 and Verstappen will claim P3. I think that the fuel system issues for the main team are going to be gone. I don't think they're going to be gone for Alpha Tauri. I might just slip the plans of, uh, of how to fix the vacuum issue. I don't know particularly what that is, but they might have they've just, uh, we just, they just, they just fell down the grid. You know, we were just leaving the driver's briefing and, you know, someone picked up the wrong piece of paper. Um, I don't, you know what? I'm gonna 
I'm going to pull rank on this one as the host and uh, and, uh, and not go do a bold prediction right now. I'll wait until it comes back around. Uh, but unfortunately, Aaron, that doesn't mean I'm leaving it with you. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Lewis Hamilton to finish in the top five. That is bold. Are you sure? <laughs> it's Lewis Hamilton. Anything's possible. Yeah. It's unfortunate they can't they can't take a brand new engine penalty well penalty free, as it were uh, by only dropping four places. That's that's the unfortunate thing they can't add in another engine to their allocation. No, he's um, just going to roll out in the Brazil spec W twelve from last year. Yeah, just hope no one notices. <laughs> yeah, uh, brilliant. You know, Saudi Arabia crash damage and all. Um, <laughs> Olivia, what's your bold prediction? Um, I think I go with George. In P3, maybe P2. Oh, that is uh, spicy. (laughs) (laughs) I personally don't see it, but you know. Neither do I, but oh well. (laughs) Maybe that's the point of a bold prediction. Um, Jack, what are you going for? Uh, Not that bold compared to you, love, but I'm going to say Magnuson uh, in top five. Magnuson in top five. Hmm. Now, what can I go for? I've got to make it equally bold. No, I'm going to go with Fernando Alonso to win. That's what I'm going to go for. <laughs> he could do it. Here we go. El, El, predictions uh, we know and love. El Plan. <laughs> and Otto about to fight like a lion, and you know. And then, you know, we'll have Crofty calling Max Verstappen, you know, the, the the Dutch lion again, because that was a nickname that apparently is a thing. Let's go with that. Let's go with that one. Um, so anyway, that off the bat. Uh, <laughs> just just before you lose sort of all credibility, uh, Aaron, where, where can we find you? What, what's, what's your, um, you know, what's, what's the five red lights all about? Uh, so the Five Red Lights is a Formula One podcast. You can find it on Spreaker, Apple, Spotify, uh, everywhere, basically. Um, it's also on YouTube, where I also do some uh, videos where I do the flying lap, where I give all the action and the headlines, uh, in a fa- hopefully in a faster time than the pole position lap time. So uh, that'll be a challenge tomorrow, considering everything that's already happened. So, uh, yeah, lots of stuff on there and you can find me on twitter at five underscore red underscore lights and on instagram at five red lights excellent uh olivia i know you write where can we find your i don't know the word i should have done english this is ironic uh (laughs) where can we find your writings (laughs) um you can find my writing i always post a link to my articles wherever they find themselves um on my twitter which is at cairo Olivia, K-A-I-R-U, Olivia. Um, and also at the Chicane Crew podcast, which is affiliated with F1Total.ca. Brilliant. Uh, and Jack, where can we... I don't know. I still can't think of the word. I've literally been thinking of it the entire time you were talking. Jack, where can we find <laughs> the things that come out of your fingers and into a keyboard and onto a computer? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> uh, my articles can be found on the Spotlight website. Um, uh, you'll obviously find me on on this podcast, and any ramblings that I do decide to spout to the internet, as well as 
um, previously mentioned podcast and article links will be found on my Twitter at J underscore C underscore Watson. You guys have got the handle in the self-promotion thing. I'm not very good at it. Um, what I do, just before, just before we finish, what I do is, if you want to hear the things that come out of my brain and into my fingers and into my keyboard and onto my computer, um, is the lighter look at the lighter look at Formula One. Um, basically, I take the weekend's antics uh, and sort of, you know, dial them down into ten memes or at least ten memes that I found. Uh, so you know, we, we try to keep it a bit. I mean, it's, I don't feel they really they need to say it with obviously the sort of change in tone this year. Um, but you know, it's, it's just the sort of le- less toxic place to just you know get 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 the sort of digest on the weekend's happenings, and that's available on sportlightpro.com, uh, along with all of our other content. Um, uh, right, so um, you'll know if you're watching on li- uh, watching live, but Grid Talk is available on YouTube uh, where. Uh, as I say, we, we're live recording this episode, uh, as well as Amazon, uh, yeah, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast. Just search F1 Grid Talk, uh, sorry, Formula One Grid Talk, uh, for our back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. So, you know, if you if you start now, uh, you could probably do the entire 2021 season if you uh, dial it up onto uh, onto two X speed. Um, and so, you know, if you, if you do like what you hear, uh, please consider, consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our presenters. Um, and you can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on... I was about to go and do the, the HTTPS part then. Uh, it's f1chronicle.com forward slash store. Uh, can you tell it's being recorded at about 8.30 in the evening on a Saturday night here? Um, so... Make sure you subscribe to, to uh, make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when each new weekly episode is released. Um, we will be back soon with plenty more F, plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.